0: Good morning, Res Life family. Happy Sunday to you guys. I believe I'm on day four, possibly day five. I don't even know what day it is because our time zones are different and my clock is completely off, but that's okay. It doesn't really matter. We're having a blast out here at the orphanage. Hey, a quick update. If you look behind me, you'll see some kids, some of the staff back there uh, getting ready uh, to receive more kids coming in. They're doing this event they do once a month called Kid Club. What Kid Club is is they take buses to the community around here, and they pick up kids that come here to the orphanage so we can just have a good time. We'll play games, we'll pass out treats like candy, um, and we'll make sure prizes are passed out. But most importantly, we teach these kids how to worship, and also give them an encouraging word and a lot of these kids that are coming in it's gonna be the very first time they ever heard the gospel for the for the first time the good news of Jesus Christ now I have the privilege today to, to speak to the teenagers I have Brent and Steve they're gonna get ready to speak to the elementary age and so we're pumped up about this we're ready and I just wanted to say thank you guys for your generosity and prayer uh, and your partnership with prayer, and your generosity with your the finances and the donations. The orphanage is being blessed, but not only that, we're being blessed by how the orphanage is still reaching out uh, to the community. And I love the partnership that they have, the vision that they have, and simply this, family and I believe we can link up with that as well too so a couple of announcements I want to give you guys don't forget next week Sunday is a combo service we're having water baptisms and so we're meeting at 11 a.m. if you show up early remember I'm gonna put you to work now I'm just joking with you guys but be here at 11 a.m. for a family fun service uh, if you haven't been water baptized I'm gonna encourage you guys go sign up at guest services uh, get your name out there we'll make sure one of the team members get to you guys and we'll get you guys. Prepared for your next step, and we want to celebrate the decision that you're making. And so, again, next week, combo service at 11 a.m. Hey guys, I want you guys to give a warm welcome to Joshua Vanderclock. I asked him to come out here uh, to give you guys a word, and obviously, he's not a stranger. He's a part of this family. So right now, give a warm Res Life Holland welcome to Josh Vanderclock. Josh, please come up here, my friend, and have fun this morning. Love all you guys. All right.
1: I don't know if I've ever been introduced from 8,000 miles away, but that's pretty cool. Um, All right. Uh, As we raise the lights, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence here today. We just thank you that you love each and every one of us, that you have something uh, to speak to us, something you desire to do uh, and to improve in each of our lives. Lord, I pray that your words uh, would touch our hearts today, not mine, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, I want to open with a story that probably most of you have heard. Uh, in Acts chapter three, verse one through fifteen, it says this: One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth—since when? Birth was carried to the temple called, uh, temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day. How often? Every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all of the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. Say that. Say, recognized. As the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement, and what had happened to them. While the man was man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man well? Peter is saying very clearly, he said, it is not my own godliness, it is not my own power that has done this. He says, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man well? The God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate have never heard that story. Oh, man. No, I'm just kidding. I'm glad. I'm good. We've, we've, most of us have heard that story. I want to point something out that perhaps you didn't notice before. Now, you caught me. I made it pretty obvious what we wanted to catch. When did this guy, how long had this guy been lame? Since birth. How often did they bring him to the gates? every day. Now, Acts chapter 3. When did Acts chapter 3 take place? I don't know exactly, but I do know exactly when Acts chapter 2 took place. So one chapter before was 50 days after Easter. Jesus rose from the dead, spent about 40 days with the disciples. So Acts chapter 2 was about 10 days after Jesus left. 10 Now, how many days were between chapter 2 and chapter 3? I don't know exactly, but I think it's a safe bet to say not a lot. He, Peter, talks to the people, and he doesn't say, once upon a time, a group of people in this same town crucified Jesus. What does he say? You. There hadn't been enough time passed that, that he was referring to Jesus' actions as this bygone time. We're talking probably just weeks since Jesus had ascended back to heaven. Two months? Three months? Since Jesus was crucified, at most. Now, what I want to point out comes from Luke chapter 21, verse 37. This is back when Jesus was there. It says, each day Jesus was teaching, where? At the temple. And each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called Mount of Olives. So, here's what I want to point out. Jesus walked by that same man. That same lame man who every day was at the temple gates, so much so that everyone in the city knew him by sight. That same man was at the temple gates when Jesus walked by on a regular basis. Yet, God used Peter to bring his healing. A lot of times I think we as Christians think to ourselves, well, whatever God wants to do, God's going to do, kind of with or without me. Like it's going to happen. And and we kind of sit around waiting to see, well, what is God going to do? But it's interesting, when we look in Scripture, we find that God used people. If God had wanted to use God, God could have used God to heal that man. Because God had walked by on a bunch of... It wasn't like it was out of his way. Just a few weeks earlier, Jesus had walked through that same gate. On a regular basis. Look in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. It says, these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him, what does it say? To send more workers. It doesn't say ask him to do it. God didn't say pray. Pray that I will just go get everybody saved. Pray that I'll send angels to every house that hasn't heard. Pray that, he says, pray for more workers. You know what else it doesn't say? It doesn't say pray that those who are doing the work will do more. It doesn't say pray to give the pastors more energy so that they can go visit every single person and do every single thing. It doesn't. It says pray that God will do work. I had, I had somebody come visit my office just a few weeks ago. They were uh, from the Congo, so totally different. They're, they're, they're new to our church, and they came in, and he just fun guy but he's all he's asking all kinds of questions he's like so so what is it like here and and who who at this church who would my pastor be and and I start to explain I said we have multiple pastors and and he says but but who will visit my house and I said you know what I said I'm willing to visit your house but I need you to understand something I said here We read the scripture and we see that it says that the job of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I said, so although I'm willing to visit your house, I said, I don't see that as my job. I see my job is to get you to visit houses. So yeah, I'll visit your house, but I'm not going to be there every other month on a rotation. I said, my goal is to have you equipped and going out and visiting other people. And sure, I'd love to come. I, you know, it sounds like fun, but I'm only one person. And if, if the gospel is limited to the number of houses I can visit, that's a problem. Luke chapter 2, he says, pray that there would be workers. How many of you know the story? Now, everybody had heard this other story, so I guarantee everybody knows this story. David and Goliath. Goliath. I'm glad you didn't say Bathsheba. (laughs) Anyway, David and Goliath. So David went to bring food to his brothers. I always say he was bringing pizza, bread and meat. He just didn't have the sauce. Or... or bread and cheese, excuse me, and didn't have the sauce. He brought that over. He thought he was delivering lunch. God knew he was going to deliver the nation. He didn't know. Now, how did God deliver the nation? Through David. Through David. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 18 says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported... To him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. But there's an exclamation point in there, by the way. I'm not making this up. Do you see that? It, it, sometimes we read the Bible, we're like, uh, when the 72 disciples returned from joyful reported to him, the Lord, even the demons obey us when we use his name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a light. No. This has actually happened. They showed up. They said, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because even evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. See, God says, you have authority. I gave you authority. My goal was to send you out to go do amazing things. But listen, the most amazing things isn't the the miraculous situations with poisonous snakes that can't hurt you and with credit. No. The most glorious, most impressive thing is when other people come to a saving knowledge of Christ. That is it. He says, "Be rejoice when your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the thing that is most, it is more exciting to be saved, salvation, than, than to have these miraculous signs. But I want to go to another pattern here. How many of you remember the story? We're, we're testing your Bible story knowledge this morning. How many of you remember the story of Saul who becomes Paul? And he's riding to Damascus and then a bright light, sort of like this, comes down, knocks him off the donkey. And who, does, who speaks to him? Jesus! How many of you would like a supernatural experience where Jesus talks straight to you? Okay? I, I get it. Like, that's what I, I would love to have... All of these supernatural experiences, I'd love to have Jesus talk to me. I'd love to have an angel show up and talk to me. But you know what's interesting to me about this? Acts chapter 9 is where that story takes place. Jesus gets his attention. And then you know what? Jesus doesn't tell him everything to do. Jesus says, go, and a man will tell you what to do. God showed up and then passed off the job to some dude. Like, you had God right there. He could have said, he could have explained it. Nope. He said, go. This other man will tell you what to do. It's interesting that God has a pattern and that's what I'm wanting you guys to see. As I'm pulling up all of these different stories, what I want is for us to get a hold of a pattern. God's pattern is using people. He started out supernaturally. He needed to do something supernatural to get Saul's attention. But pretty much as quickly as he possibly could, he passed it off. Because God works through us. He said, pray for workers. Not pray that I'll supernaturally show up and everybody will know what they need to know and I'll tell them what they need to tell them and angels are going to go do our jobs. for." No, he says, pray that workers, more workers would come. He wants people to hear that. Romans 10, chapters 11 or 12. Chapter 10, verse 11 through 15 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I like this because he starts back. He's like, hey, they've got to believe, but how will they believe if they haven't heard? How will they hear if someone isn't preaching? And how will they preach unless they're sent? It's not about the person who gets to hear. It's not about the person who gets to tell them. He brings it back to the person who sends the person who tells them. He says, it's a team effort. I want all of these people to be a part of it, blessed, and how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. God so often answers prayer through people. He sends people. I titled today's message You Have Someone Else's Miracle. Because God... walked by that man at the gate. Jesus, God incarnate, passed that man at the gate. But it wasn't until a few weeks later that God used Peter to do that. David showed up thinking he was delivering bread and cheese. He ended up delivering the nation. God uses people. He does not force them to do things. Some of us have had the mindset, well, I wonder when God's going to get my neighbor saved. I wonder when God's going to do something in my neighborhood, my school, in my workplace, at my office, in my family. I just wonder. And we kind of have this mindset that if God wanted to do something, He'd just do it. in fact... You know, if he wanted to use me, he'd probably just come down, grab me, and force me to do it. But that's not his MO. He doesn't just force us. It's very interesting. I want to read a scripture, and then I'm going to tell you something that I rarely preach. Here's the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 32 says, And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What does that mean? That means that even someone who is operating in a supernatural gift, such as a spirit of prophecy, God is not forcing them to do that. They are doing it. If we think about the different things in scripture, while we look at the speaking in tongues... Does God come down, grab people, and start wagging their, 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 their mouth around? No. It says that they opened their mouth and spoke, and then the Spirit gave them up. They could choose. Now, what, I, what I'm going to tell you that I've rarely preached is I, and when I was in college, and so this is many years ago, and I still remember this sermon, so it stood out to me. I was in a, a, a meeting where Benny Hinn was, was speaking, and he was at this college campus, And he specifically said, I'm speaking to those of you who are future leaders. And he says, here's what I want you to understand. Now, I'm going to tell you what he said as though it came from him. Because this isn't isn't undeniable doctrine. This is just what someone who has been highly used by God said. Take it as that. This is what he said. He said that, and he talked about this scripture, about how the, the spirit... Like gifts and callings that when God is, uses someone, that, that there is their own discretion there. And what he said that I'll never forget was, he said, do you remember the story in Second Kings? Now this one's a little more obscure, so we're going to find out. How many of you remember the story in Second Kings when a bunch of young people came out and mocked Elijah for his baldness? And then he called bears out from the woods that attacked the kids. Do you remember that story? That was a weird one. How many of you do not remember that story? That's because your Bible, your Sunday school teachers didn't bring that one up. They're like, we're not really sure what to do with that story. There's another story with Elisha, also a little bit interesting. Elisha is sitting there. The king sends 50 men to go tell him to come and report to the king. They show up, and they say, go talk to the king. Elisha calls fire down from heaven. They fried so this king sends 50 more elisha calls fire down from heaven fried so the king sends 50 more this guy comes up he says please don't i have a family don't do anything i just just please go talk to the king so he goes talks to the king this is what Benny Hinn said he said and and how many of you remember before i get to what he said how many remember the story of samson that one we know do you remember the part where he paid for prostitutes using his strength? He went out and captured a bunch of foxes and sold their hides and, and paid for prostitutes. How many of you ever kind of scratched your heads on that one? It's like, what? <laughs> that does not seem like a good use of supernatural power, does it? It's not, in case you were wondering. Here is the lesson. That just like Samson could misuse the gifting, this is what Benny Hinn said. He said, it is my personal opinion that both of those stories about Elijah, the one where he, he called down fire from heaven to destroy those, those armies and when he called the bears out, he said, I do not believe that was the perfect will of God. He said, I believe that was a grouchy man misusing the gifts and callings and and, and anointings that were on his life. And he talked about the responsibility of the authority and the spiritual power that God has given each and every one of us and how we can use it or fail to use it in inappropriate ways. I've never forgot that message. I'm not trying to make that doctrine. You don't have to add that to the creed here at the church. Maybe he was wrong. Maybe it's wrong. But it definitely left me thinking about my responsibility regarding, God is not going to force me to do that which he desires to do through me. And I can step out in my flesh and do stupid stuff. And Samson, poster child for that. But God often sends blessing and answers prayer by sending a person. I don't know that I ever shared this story when I was here, but when when I was in Mexico as a missionary, there was a group of people who were uh, down there who were learning Spanish. I already spoke Spanish, but some other people were, were learning. And the, the teacher, his name was Juan Carlos, and he was... A sharp guy, um, early 20s, spoke English and Spanish. He worked for this company that did, um, Spanish, you know, English and Spanish tutoring, and and he got assigned to this group of people that were within our our missions group. And he started hanging out with us, and 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 we invited him to church, and we would invite him along to do different things, and and just seemed like, you know, a really I mean, when you looked at him, he was, he was a normal, neat-looking guy. I mean, just, he seemed to have everything going for him. He was 20, 20 years old, had his own car, had a good-paying job. He was bilingual. He, he, everything seemed to be going for him. What we didn't know was we met him in September, and he had already made his plans, written his suicide note. He was going to kill himself on New Year's Eve. He had already decided that life wasn't worth living. There was nothing there. And he was just counting down the days. Now, none of us knew this. And before New Year's Eve, I think it was in November, he ended up giving his life to Christ and canceled his plans for for suicide. Um, He has has gone on to, to do great things. Married the daughter of one of the missionaries that was down there. Awesome, awesome story of what God's doing in his life. But he made a statement once that really shocked me in November. He said to me, he said, you know, Josh, if I had met someone, and this isn't to, to brag, but he says, if I had met someone like you before, I would have gotten saved before. I just didn't know. Anybody that lived like you guys. We have someone else's miracle god isn't going to do it all without us he plans to use us acts chapter 10 1 through 8 is the story of cornelius how many of you remember the story of cornelius Cornelius is a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout, God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. And he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear and said, What is it? The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon. He did it again! God sends an angel... And instead of having the angel do the job, the angel says, go get a guy. <laughs> That's what he said, isn't it? He says, go get this guy. And meanwhile, God is talking to Peter, talking to him about the messed up thinking he had that only the Jews mattered and that you could only eat certain things. And he says, look, what I call clean, you call It is clean. I am telling you, go reach the world, the whole world, Samaritans, non-Jews, everybody. And so he does. We see that story. In Acts 10, 27, Peter shows up. There's a large gathering of people there, and he says to them, you're well aware it's against our laws for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising objections. May I ask, I love this, why you sent for me? Peter, he figured out that I'm supposed to go. Those guys wanted to be saved. God said, go get the guy. God has a pattern. He uses people. How many of you want to be one of those people? Here's what I want to challenge. Do not think that it's all just going to happen automatically. That you're going to be forced, that you're going to wake up one morning and be like, well, I tried to turn left, but then I just could only turn right. (laughs) And And I was forced to go do this or do that. No. God says, pray for workers. How many of you realize when other people are praying for workers you're going to be the answer to that prayer. You're going to be the answer to that prayer. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, and I'm pretty sure I've read this verse before. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. uh, Paul says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. So, Paul says, when you pray, pray specifically for open doors. Whenever I get up and I start talking about reaching your neighbors for Christ and doing all of this stuff, you know, I know what's going on. In your mind, you're like, oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Am I going to have to buy a bullhorn and stand in my neighborhood and just start shouting? Like, what am I going to oh. He wants me to witness to my neighbors. You don't understand. They just hide in their house. They never come out. How am I supposed to do this? It's going to be so weird. Hello, did you know Jesus loves you? (laughs) Ah. That's what we imagine. But that's not what God says. He says, pray for open doors. Pray for open doors. What does that mean? Do, do you think he's talking about the neighbor's going to leave his door wide open? What he means is opportunities. Opportunities. I've told this, this story. I think I told this story here where I was traveling and I prayed. I said, God, give me some open doors. And I meet this guy. He was from Australia. I was, I was in Paris, and this guy and I both show up at a hotel at the same time, and it was full. And they sent us across town to another place that we could stay. He didn't speak any French, so he came with me. I speak French. It's not very useful, by the way, but I speak it. And Spanish is much more useful, as as you can see. Just thumbs up for Spanish. So he he comes with me. We start talking. And he says to me, he says, I can tell you're a Christian. Because I went to a Bible school. You know, he starts asking what I do and... (laughs) where I study it, he figures it out. He says, so, what do you believe about God? How many of you realize that's an open door? Yeah. Right? So, I share with him. I tell him real easy. You know, like, well, I believe that God created the world. I believe that he, he did it because he wanted to have a relationship with us, but he wanted that relationship to be meaningful. And if you create little robots that have no choice but to do one thing, then that's not a meaningful relationship. So he gave us free will. And man chose poorly. Chose sin. God is holy. Holiness and sin are like oil and water. They don't have communion. So God didn't have couldn't have relationship with us in our sin. But he sent Jesus who died, took our sin. He paid the price for our sin. He he took on the consequences of our sin so that our sin would no longer separate us from God. But again, if it was automatic and had no choice of ours in, involved, then it wouldn't be a meaningful relationship. And the reason we were meant, we were created was to have a meaningful relationship with God. So God is simply waiting for each and every one of us to choose to accept that forgiveness and to re-enter relationship with Him. And He looks at me, as they say in Spanish, with square eyeballs. Con los ojos cuadrados. He looks and says that makes sense. I've been told I was going to hell before, but never was it explained. Like, Now, that was not rocket science, by the way. Okay? Just a simple thing. He says, that makes sense. And then he told me this story. He said, just an hour before I met you, I was walking through the Cathedral of Notre Dame. How many of you saw the, the news when that burnt down? He was in that cathedral. He went in. They had candles all over the place he said I went and I lit one of the candles and I prayed this prayer I said God I don't know if you're real but if you are send me a sign and then he looks at me he goes I think you're that sign (laughs) here's the thing how many people in our neighborhood behind closed doors have prayed God if you're real, send someone to tell me. Give me a sign. Do something. God's MO is that he's going to send you, not an angel. That's the way he works over and over and over again. It says, we, and we have the opportunity, pray. You don't have to get up the boldness to charge straight over to your, your, your neighbor's house with cookies that say, accept Jesus or go to hell. That's not the way we need to evangelize. We pray for open doors. God will open those doors. He'll open it. They're going to ask a question. You're just going to be ready. You're going to say, God, give me open doors. And then, listen to this. Ephesians chapter 6, 18 through 19. This this verse goes with Colossians 4.23. If you're going to stick it on your fridge, put them together says this, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So Paul is telling them how to pray. He says, with this in mind, be alert always. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me. See, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. So first he says you can pray for open doors. Second, he says you can pray for words. You don't even have to know the words. You can pray. It is a a godly prayer to say, you know what, God, give me opportunities. And when that opportunity comes, you give me the words. I'll just start talking. And realize it's not about how eloquent you can be. It's not about the, the, the stuff. You know, the first time I ever heard, how many of you ever heard Billy Graham speak? I thought, the first time that I heard him speak, I thought I was about to hear the most articulate, most eloquent, most logically impeccable, doctrinally flawless presentation of the gospel ever. I mean, this is what it's going to be like if I could hear Jesus talking about how to accept Christ. That was my mindset. He gets up. You know, if you're on a highway headed for Chicago and you want to go to L.A., It does not matter how long you stay on that road to Chicago, you're not going to get there unless you do a U-turn. Knowing where you want to be isn't the same as being on your way there. So, if you're on your way, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And then like half the room is like, yeah, I want to accept Jesus Christ. It was not the eloquence. In other words, the Bible says that no one comes to the Father except the Spirit draws them. See, God isn't asking you to do it on your own. He's going to work with you on this. It's a team effort. He says, you go, I'll open the doors. You talk, I'll give you the words. And my spirit will draw them. You don't have to worry about your pronunciation, your accent, your, your choice of eloquent words. Billy Graham, one of the most famous... One of the main things I learned when I listened was like, you know what? I guess it isn't about perfect eloquence. It's not about, the, it's, it's about being willing to be used by God and then letting him anoint what you do. Amen. He will be with you. So, number one thing, oh, I'm out of time. We're done. <laughs> it's 1116. There, oh, I have a few other points, but we've gotten to the main point. You have other people's miracles. God's MO is not doing it himself. In fact, even when he could and has the opportunity over and over in Scripture, he passed it off and said, I want you to do it I want you to do it let's pray dear Heavenly Father we ask that you would use us we ask that you would send laborers into the harvest and Lord we say choose us we're here we pray that you would open doors for us that you would give us the words and we just thank you that your spirit and anointing will draw the people and that you do the heavy lifting, but that you need us to step through the door. I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're here and you know, just like that, like I said to that man and that Australian man, you know that your sins are forgiven, that you accepted that gift of relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to raise your hand. You've done that. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, you will be saved. What that means is that sin that separates you from God will be removed and the relationship you were created to have is restored. If you don't know that, if you hope that, if you just think, oh, I'd be nice and I really, you know, I'm kind of hoping that my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say that it's like this teeter totter of, of good deeds versus bad deeds. It says that you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And then God forgives your sins, no matter whether they were a lot or a little. If you want to know with certainty that you are saved, know with certainty you can from today forward. If you guys would close your eyes just for a moment. I don't want anyone to be influenced by embarrassment, but if it's you today, if you say, I want to make that choice, and I want to know it for sure, then I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. One, two, three, lift it up. Do I see a hand? We're going to pray together. Say it with me. Say, dear God, I believe that you created the world and you created me, that you desire a relationship with me, and that you sent Jesus, who lived a perfect life, to die for the sins he didn't commit, for my sins, that he rose from the dead. I make you the Lord of my life, I live for you, not myself. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. But thank you guys so much for coming. Um, you want to hear it again? You can hear it in Spanish. I might get a little farther next time. I'm not sure. <laughs> God bless. Thank you. Thank you.